This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. And of course, we are into that time of the year, um, having just been through the beautiful festival of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, gone through two awesome days followed by immediately by Shabbat Shuvah. We are now well and truly into the latter part of the 10 days of repentance. We've got to remember that these 10 days include Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And so today is already the seventh day of um, these 10 days. Yes, believe it or not, it's unbelievable to think that it's already a week tonight since Rosh Hashanah began. Um, time truly does fly, um, even when you are having fun. And um, it is now right up to the real, real, let's call it the business end of uh, this 10 days when we come to the culmination to Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, of course, commences on Friday evening, goes through the day on Shabbat and uh, completes on Saturday night. Um, about an hour after nightfall, so we're talking about uh, an hour after sunset, rather. Uh, we're talking about approximately, you need to check this, 25 to 7 on Saturday night will be the end of Yom Kippur, and the end, therefore, of what is known as the 10 days of repentance. So today, perhaps we're going to spend a little bit of time on Judaism 101.9, talking about some of the practicalities, what we should be involved with, what we should be doing, what we should be um, <coughs> actually practicing. And in that we mean not just practice to make perfect, but of course we are trying to reach for perfection. So we're practicing and doing stuff during the next few days um, in order to make that Yom Kippur proper, correct, and all the more meaningful. Let's begin by um, thinking about where and what we should be doing right now. Well, we're in the midst of these 10 days of repentance. During the 10 days of repentance, and especially in the week that is between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and yes, of course, there is always exactly a week, because it stands to reason if there's 10 days, one day being Yom Kippur and two days being Rosh Hashanah, that there will be exactly one week, seven days, um, between the two um, outer posts of this um, 10 days. And those days, therefore, are comprised always of a Shabbat, of a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, and a Friday, not necessarily always in that order. In other words, it sometimes begins um, later on in the week. This year it began with Shabbat, and we go through that entire week of the between days. And in those between days, we are probably supposed to be Taking a careful look at all our Shabbats, all our Shabbases on the Shabbat, on all our Sundays on the Sunday, all our Mondays on the Monday, and so on. Of course, today being Wednesday, uh, taking a look, if possible, at all the Wednesdays that we spent in the last year and all the Wednesdays that we're going to be spending in the coming year. And of course, we always like Wednesdays because it's time for Judaism 101.9. And uh, therefore, uh, we know that uh, during this last year, we spent a lot of time together. We spent, spent a lot of time talking about things Jewish on our slot of Judaism 101.9. And please, God, we should be able to, in the coming year, likewise, spend some meaningful time together every Wednesday between 2 and 3 here on um, Chai FM on 101.9 Chai FM and on Judaism 101.9. 
But um, we should therefore be thinking about that big word teshuva, which we discussed once before, several times perhaps, the concept of getting back to where we should be, getting godliness back to where it should be within our lives and getting our priorities correct. And of course, we made that statement um, at our first night um, of Rosh Hashanah, where we took a look, hopefully, at the head of the fish and we said, we should be a Rosh and not a Zanav. Well, we've got to be able to tell the difference. We've got to know what is actually leading us. What is uh, the head and what is the tail? We sometimes get it the wrong way around. We don't know our heads from our tails or our tails from our heads. And this is something that is incumbent on each and every one of us to get our headspace correct and to get our focus correct and to have the spiritual leading the physical and the godly leading the mundane or the or the or the usual and uh, to try and realign ourselves and re-enthuse ourselves with the kind of um, um, application and the kind of involvement that we know that we should have during these days so of course that's the mindset for now Tomorrow night already is um, Erev Yom Kippur, and from then on, we really are in the throes of Yom Kippur itself. And let's perhaps talk about what should be happening on Friday. So Friday, Erev Yom Kippur, is um, the day on which we do a ceremony called Kaparot, Kaporos. What is Kaporos? Kaporos is a an atonement um, the word Yom Kippur, same word, Day of Atonement. If we think about the concept of atonement, we should probably be thinking about how this um, is actually um, not only atoning as in saying we're sorry and as in making good on our apologies, which is, of course, very much part of the whole focus and tone of Yom Kippur, but um, atonement can also be read, as is often beautifully described in English, as at one We need to be at one with our godliness and with the godliness within ourselves and with God himself. Um, on this day, it is a very, very special, unique, one-time kind of a day, um, which is extremely, extremely powerful. And um, in addition to that, there is also the concept of an exchange. Atonement means, really, from a Jewish point of view, that I am giving something, I'm putting something forward as a replacement. I am replacing um, what should be me going <clears throat> to uh, receive all sorts of punishments and so on, God forbid, for all the things that perhaps I did do wrong. And um, I am atoning by doing what we call kapara. Kapara is, kaporis is an exchange. Now, this exchange can either be done with a living um, a creature, and uh, usually we would use something, of course, that can be donated. So it is um, traditionally done either with a chicken or a live fish. There are not that many of us who have the ability with a live fish. Chicken's probably more readily available and when that chicken is intercepted on its way to being slaughtered, we can give it a special, special um, blessing in that we can actually utilize it in this kaporis ceremony. And at the time that we do that, we are not only atoning for our sins. A lot of people believe that what we're actually doing is spiritually cruel to the to the animal, to the creature, that I'm taking my sins and offloading them onto the chicken. No, it's not like that at all. 
I am kind of saying that God, it has been deemed that um, something needs to die here. Um, this chicken is uh, going to be donated to charity. And uh, what I'm doing is before it goes off to that uh, charitable donation or before it becomes somebody's supper, somebody's dinner, I am going to utilize it by asking you, God, to take any possible decrees that there may be against me, um, any death, if there has to be, um, from a spiritual point of view, and consider it as done, that here I am purchasing a share in um, a way in this uh, chickens, this creatures, this animal's departure from this uh, earthly existence, and um, I hope that you will consider this a fair exchange that um, I am donating there for charity. And of course, that is always the watchword because there are some people who would not wish to use a live creature. And of course, kaporis kaparot can also be done with the money itself. And we take the money and we say, this money is going to go to charity. Please, God, uh, allow me to go to a life that is filled with all the kinds of rich and wonderful blessings um, that I hope you will bestow upon me in this coming year. And of course, that is done in the early hours, preferably, of Friday morning. We try to do that as early as possible. We show a keenness, first of all, to do it. Secondly, we need to kind of get it out of its way, out of the way, because the rest of the day has a very, very different tone. Um, and immediately after Kaporis, we go and we do our morning prayers, during which time we are already in the throes of a Chag, of a Yom Tif, And so penitential prayers are not said. We do not um, permit any fasting on that day. Of course, you would be a little foolhardy, I guess, to be fasting on the day before Yom Kippur. But there may be some people who deem that it may be partially necessary. We do not fast. It is regarded as a Yom Tif, as a very special festive kind of a day um, on Erev Yom Kippur, albeit very rushed, very um, uh, pushed and very uh, focused on the awesome day of Yom Kippur that is about to dawn upon us. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, welcome back. So as we are talking about the days of Erev Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur, this coming Friday and Shabbat, um, we were speaking about Kaporis and the atonement ceremony that takes place in the morning of Friday. Um, that is followed by our morning prayers by Shacharit and afterwards there are several beautiful, beautiful traditions which actually continue in this kind of a theme. All about making exchanges, all about exchanging um, what we don't want, of course, for what we do. All about thinking and focusing on God giving us blessings then rather than, God forbid, any curses. God judging us favorably rather than um, in the negative. And so it is traditional in many, many places that straight after our davening, straight after our prayers early in the morning on Erev Yom Kippur, that lekach is distributed, lekach being a sweet honey cake. Now, of course, we know the symbolism of honey, um, which for Rosh Hashanah, 
Um, we expounded upon the idea of honey being um, the opportunity to choose. Are we going to choose the sting of the bee or are we going to choose the sweet honey of the bee? Um, and of course, we would love to choose the sweetness. And that's why we talk about a shana tova umetuka, a good and a sweet year. And here we have honey cake that comes into play once again. But here it is actually distributed usually by uh, the gabai or the rabbi of uh, the particular particular community, the particular shul, and the tradition, the idea is that you actually ask for it. It's not that it's just freely distributed and you help yourself like one ordinarily would, but there's the idea of actually requesting, please, could I have lekach, please, could I have some honey cake, and the idea being that um, uh, the blessing that comes with it is that, please, God, this should be the only time that you ever during this year have to ask for food that you ever have to ask for anything to be given to you what a sweet and a wonderful thought that is and we do this traditionally on the day before Yom Kippur um, that once again there's this kind of exchange I'm exchanging um, any possible negative slant that there may be during this year and I am sweetening it I'm making it sweet and I am actually taking care of um, any begging God forbid that I may have to do during this year I've done that already with then move on and um, sometime during the day it is traditional and uh, many many people hold that it is actually halachically required um, according to Jewish law that we should immerse ourselves in a mikveh and the going to the mikveh before Yom Kippur um, is something that many people both women and men and most traditionally of course um, for the guys this time is uh, really to go to the mikveh to immerse in a pool of water um, re- the, most of the local mikvaot of the local ritual pools will be open for men's use at some stage during the day and we should uh, just take careful cognizance of that but then of course if one is unable to get to an actual um, proper kosher mikveh, um, one can and should immerse in a swimming pool um, with the uh, filter, of course, turned off. Um, and during that time, um, immerse um, in, in the mikveh, allowing the water to encompass your entire body. This is not about washing. This is about a spiritual cleansing. But at the same time, the idea of mikveh water is that it is connected to a life source. And it's about reinvigorating ourselves. It's about um, adding life where, God forbid, there was a semblance of death, of negativity. Once again, we're talking about that great exchange um, that um, takes place on Erev Yom Kippur and on Yom Kippur itself. A little bit later on in the afternoon, um, around about Mincha time, and usually in most shuls, they'll have a Mincha, the Mincha prayer, the afternoon prayer will be a little bit earlier than usual. Um, there is a tradition by many to give what we call Malkus, to give um, um, smacks. Now, we're not going here punching each other or hurting anybody, God forbid, but there is the idea of tapping on the uh, shoulder blades um, with a strap, with a belt, um, and saying, saying the very words that um, are uttered to convey that at the time of punishment, um, God is conveying his um, forgiveness, um, that punishments are not meant to hurt, that punishments are meant to cleanse, and that if, God forbid, we are guilty of anything that would deserve 
um, to have gotten these these uh, punishments that we are hereby um, acceding to and allowing those punishments to actually take place, that we're allowing somebody to effect the punishment, so to speak, upon us. And therefore, I've done that. I've taken the punishment. I have gotten the expiation. I have gotten the forgiveness um, in this way as well. And once again, making that incredible exchange. We then do our Mincha prayer, the afternoon prayer on Friday, which um, includes within it um, a lot of the penitential, of the asking for forgiveness kind of prayers that are very much part of uh, the Yom Kippur liturgy, particularly the Ashamnu Bagadnu, famous, um, we have uh, sinned and we have thieved and we have done all of these things um, that um, is... Uh, part of an essential part of the davening of the prayers of Yom Kippur and then of course all the al for the sin that I've committed in doing this and the sin that I've committed in doing that albeit that we may not really believe that we have done all of those sins but remember these are communal prayers we're not only for asking for forgiveness for ourselves but actually for everybody that is around us as well and that is all part already of the Mincha prayer on Friday afternoon um, before we go into uh, Shabbat and of course before we go into Yom Kippur itself which is really called Shabbat Shabbaton it is the Shabbos of all Shabboses um, is Yom Kippur itself and so it is um, once again the idea of um, us asking for forgiveness of exchanging what we um, could have had um, should have had for something that we really would like there to be of exchanging punishment for sweetness of exchanging um, begging for um, kindness of exchanging um, our sins for um, for 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 a, a better and a, a more beautiful and a more powerful and a more spiritual and more fulfilled life and this is all the kind of the tone of Erev Yom Kippur. Now, it's also um, an obligation to actually eat on Erev Yom Kippur. Now, that sounds funny, I suppose, because who's not going to eat and drink on the day before a fast? But here we're talking about eating in a way of festivity, a kind of a festive meal um, that actually should be held and that is traditionally held at the lunch hour, probably best, on Erev Yom Kippur. During which time we should wash for hamotzi, we should eat challah, we dip it in honey, um, again the sweetness, we should eat and drink um, in a way whereby it is rather festive. Of course, we would probably be well advised to refrain from alcohol or anything else that would make us uh, not feel so great on Yom Kippur itself, spicy foods, etc., um, which aren't exactly going to add to um, the uh, the easiness of a fast day on Shabbat. But uh, we certainly do have a festive meal in a way of um, celebration on Erev Yom Kippur. And then, of course, don't forget a meal or something to eat before you take the fast um, on uh, late on Friday afternoon. Now, we've got to remember that there are some other things that we should uh, bear in mind and prepare for Erev Yom Kippur. Number one is um, there are certain candles that we light. There um, should be, um, number one, the lighting of the Yom Tov candles, which a woman would light if there's no woman present, a man must light on Erev Yom Kippur, uh, similar to the Shabbat candles, of course, or the Yom Tov candles. And... Um, 
We say the blessing for Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim, and Shabbat, Shabbat and Yom Kippurim, as well as Shehechianu. It is a festival after all. Um, and perhaps this is something that people very often um, get wrong, I think, in the thinking, in the feelings about Yom Kippur. Um, it's not a sad day. It's a very, very positive day. It's not a day of mourning. It's a day of um, trial. It's a day of um, uh, when we're on edge. It's a day when we're when there's tension in the air, but it's certainly something where we should be confident that what we've done Rosh Hashanah and in these 10 days of repentance that now we're just um, kind of kind of awaiting the final verdict uh, which we know is going to be positive and therefore we have a positive frame of mind a positive mindset we're behaving well we're doing things well um, and we're in a positive frame of mind it is something very very positive there is something very beautiful magnificent and angelic about Yom Kippur and these are all the things that we should kind of focus on and think about Um, it's not um, sad at all it's not uh, negative at all on the contrary a very very positive, positive day, um, and hopefully it will be for all of us. It is also traditional before Yom Kippur to give blessings to your children. Um, This is a time-honored custom that we do before Yom Kippur begins. For a son, we say, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of Joseph who grew up in Egypt and yet adhered to everything in the most incredible way with all the challenges that they had, challenges of wealth and challenges of being strangers in a strange land, um, and yet they adhered to everything. And for a daughter, we say, may God make you like Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, like our mothers. And then for all children, um, we say the blessing that is said by the Kohanim, uh, where we say, God spoke to Moses and he said, speak to Aaron and his sons. This is how you should bless the children of Israel. You say to them, may God bless you and keep you. May God cause his countenance to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he turn his countenance towards you and grant you peace. And they shall bestow my name upon the children of Israel so that I will bless them. Um, Of course, the Birkat Kohanim that we are all familiar with. We also need to prepare ourselves for wearing non-leather shoes. We've got to remember that on Yom Kippur itself, there are five um, stringencies or five things that we observe as far as the fasting and abstentions actually go. And that is, number one, that we fast. We do not eat or drink. Number two that we do not wear leather shoes. So now this would mean any leather, whether it is leather uppers or leather soles of uh, the shoe, any part of it should not be leather. Um, And we should be careful because it used to be that um, kind of every pair of sneakers, uh, tackies, whatever it was that you bought, that you got, were certainly made of canvas today. A lot of them are probably more expensive and made of better material than your actual shoes. We've got to be careful that there is no leather involved. Remember the wearing of leather shoes was a sign of luxury and a sign of uh, really being on top of things. Um, Here we want to feel a little bit more angelic. We want to put ourselves in the realm of uh, being less physical and less acclimed to and less accustomed to uh, the physical and material things and therefore we do not wear leather shoes. Leather belt and other things may be worn, but it's just the shoes that we stay away from. We are not allowed to apply lotions or creams. You don't get up in the morning and put on your uh, favorite base and uh, uh, makeup and so on. Although people do make a mistake, I think, and that they don't wear makeup at all, um, I don't think that is really the sense of it. If one has put on 
um, certainly for the women, I hope I'm talking to, uh, you put on makeup before Yom Kippur. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not allowed to freshly adorn it, of course, on um, Yom Kippur, as we wouldn't be allowed to, of course, on Shabbat. We don't uh, put on makeup, but um, you may want to put on creams. You may want to put creams on your hands and so on. Those things are taboo on Yom Kippur. No creams and lotions. It's one of the strict um, laws about Yom Kippur. We also do not wash or bathe. You do not go in a shower. You don't go in a bath. Um, in fact, even washing of our hands is only done up until the join, the knuckles, so to speak, or the place where your fingers join your palm of your hands. So, um, even that only in the morning or when one has come out of the bathroom and so on. That is the limit uh, to the washing, unless, of course, your hands are severely soiled, looking after a baby or uh, for whatever other reason. Um, and we um, are then permitted to wash that off. Um, and of course, then marital intimacy. We do not, um, preferably not even according to strict halacha, um, or stricter opinions in the halacha, not even, um, touching between husbands and wives, uh, between men and women, um, on, uh, Yom Kippur for the duration of Yom Kippur itself. And, um, these are the, uh, real things that we've got to kind of have in mind in a way preparing before because we've got to make sure that we have non-leather shoes. We've got to make sure that um, if there is a bath or a shower that needs to be taken, that of course it's all done before Yom Kippur, not going to be able to do it then. And of course we've got to make sure that we've stockpiled enough um, food and uh, liquid within ourselves so that we can last the 26 hours without it damaging our health in any way. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. We've been talking about Yom Kippur and uh, to move on to the idea of forgiveness. This is a day of forgiveness. The day of forgiveness actually stems, if you think about it, from God's action and sign of his total forgiveness of the Jewish people. Remember, Moshe went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Um, just on or just after the festival of Shavuot. He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. When he came down, the people had worshipped the golden calf that was the 17th of Tammuz. Um, he allowed the tablets to fall to the ground, breaking them, not incriminating his people for having been obligated um, in them in any way and knew that there was work to be done to atone, which was done over the next 40 days. And 40 days later, which was actually on Rosh Chodesh Elul, Moshe ascended the mountain once again. It's one of the reasons why we blow the shofar um, so often during the month of Elul is uh, to alert us to the fact that Moshe was up the mountain. He didn't want anybody to make the same mistake twice. And therefore, it was a kind of an insurance, a siren reminding us of the fact that he had ascended the mountain and he was going to return. And when he did, 40 days later, of course, it was Yom Kippur. And on the day of Yom Kippur, when he came down with the Ten Commandments, it was an, a sign of God's absolute forgiveness of the Jewish people. Um, and they had strayed, they worshipped the golden calf. And here, 120 days after the Torah was first given to us at Mount Sinai, we stood there ready to re-accept, re-receive, and uh, do this exchange once again for a life that had gone a little bit off the rails. Um, we had swapped it for one whereby we were going to adhere to whatever it was that God was going to ask us to do. Moshe Rabbeinu Moses uh, descending the mountain with the second set of tablets happened on Yom Kippur, and therefore it became entrenched as a day of forgiveness. God sets the tone. He sets the tone of forgiveness, and he allows us, therefore, to not only forgive ourselves, 
to forgive each other, but for him to forgive us, for us perhaps to forgive him. Um, we're sometimes a little angry at uh, some of the things that God may have done or allowed to happen to us. Um, it's a day of all-around forgiveness. What a beautiful time for cleansing, for coming clean, um, for um, really feeling relieved and um, exonerated in every possible uh, fashion. We also remember that Yom Kippur itself is a day that our sages tell us is Yom Kippur Machaper. Yom Kippur itself forgives, even if people are not that actively involved in the fasting or in the prayers or being involved um, actively in Yom Kippur. The day itself has got a tremendous, tremendous power. I'm not advising that you don't get involved, but um, we've got to remember that everybody is included in this blanket of uh, Yom Kippur itself, the time itself actually atones. If we think about it, Yom Kippur is referred to as Yom HaKippurim. It literally means it's a day of forgiveness, but it can also be read as Yom Kippurim, a day like Purim. We've got to remember that Purim is a tremendously happy day. But um, how do we actually think about or what does it mean that this is a day Kippurim? When we think about it, perhaps the suggestion is that on the day of Purim, we've got to remember that uh, the whole Jewish people was under um, the threat of Haman and Achashverosh. They were about to possibly be destroyed. And uh, because of the actions of Mordechai and Esther and the Jewish people, and because of God allowing um, a complete and total turnaround and uh, creating a sort of a natural miracle of the fact that uh, the Jewish people were triumphant um, in uh, the action against Haman and against the onslaught. Here we had, uh, or we have a similar opportunity on um, on Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippurim, a day just like that. Um, and therefore, once again, not a sad day, not a day of melancholy, not a day of depression, of darkness, but rather one that is really, really upbeat, um, that even has the underlying um, idea and ideal that it should be a day just like Purim. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Now, of course, we know that that Ne'ila prayer is uh, something that is very, very powerful on the day. We also know that it's a day on which we say Yiskor. Um, the day of Yiskor is because um, those who have gone before us and those who have departed this world are also involved in Yom Kippur on this day. And there is a moment, there is an opportunity when we can connect. We connect with them. They uplift us. We uplift them. And there's kind of this uh, unity of purpose that takes place between us and those in the next world um, on Yom Kippur as well. But then we reach Ne'ila, the culmination, the final moment of, so to speak, the closing of the game. Now, there is very often the idea uh, that is conveyed to us, and of course it seems to be part of the liturgy, that the gates are about to slam shut, you know. Um, It's that moment just before the end of uh, this powerful 10 days, just before the end of Yom Kippur. It's our last chance, our last opportunity, and we want to make sure that we dive under or through or beneath or be besides or through the crack in the gates in order to be able to get our last prayers in, in order to be able to be included in the Book of Life and in the wonderful things uh, for the coming year. There is a beautiful um, a Hasidic twist to it, and that is that in fact what we're talking about on Yom Kippur is not that we are, uh, that the gates are closing and we're shut out, but rather that the gates are closing 
and we're shut in. We're inside. We're at one with God. This is the ultimate at one the ultimate atonement. We're here with God in a motion of Yechida. Yechida being that um, essential core ingredient within our souls that now couples together with God, with the Almighty, at this most powerful culmination, at this most powerful moment. And at that time, as we are there in the privacy of a one-on-one, a real private interlude that we are privileged to have at the end of Yom Kippur, just the essence of my soul with the essence of God, with godliness, is the closest that we come and that we can come to being united and to being together um, with our source, with God himself. And this happens at the culmination of Yom Kippur. We have built it up. We have trained for this. We've worked hard at this. And this is the moment that culminates all of Yom Kippur. And at that moment, we pause right near the end of the Ne'ilah and we say, um, Hashem Hu Elokim, we call out um, uh, seven times um, and the fact that God is our God. We then um, call out and we um, th- say repeatedly a great and powerful, powerful verses culminating, of course, with Lashana Habab Yerushalayim and the sounding of the shofar. We're really from the essence of our souls. We cry out, we call out to God to unite with us and to grant us all his rich and wonderful blessings for the coming year. So we hope that we've made it in. We hope that we'll be sealed there on this Yom Kippur day. And we hope that this will truly be a year that will be above and beyond your greatest expectations. It'll be above and beyond um, all of our expectations. It'll be a year that is filled with God's rich and wonderful blessings. May it be a Gemar Chatimatova. May there be the complete sealing that's as in S-E-A-L, that it's completely sealed in, that we're sealed for um, a uh, only good and positive and wonderful things, things of health and happiness and all the wonderful blessings that we wish for ourselves, we wish for each other, we wish for all of you, and hopefully that will all come to fruition on this coming weekend, Friday and Shabbat, Erev Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur itself. We wish you, as they like to say, well over the fast. I'm not sure if that's um, that is a kind of a wish that uh, we hope we get it behind us as quickly as possible. But it's rather think about it as being that you should be well, and uh, that should be all due to the way that we fasted and the way that we um, and behaved and the way that we prayed and all the things that we did in order to tap into this powerful, powerful energy um, of Yom Kippur Day. A Timatova, a great and wonderful Yom Kippur up ahead, and. I look forward to being back with you soon on Judaism 101.9.